0: This is the The Fat Boy's Fantasy Fantasy Podcast Podcast Show, hosted by
1: Bo Finley
0: and Brant Walker. Welcome back to another episode of the Fat Boy's Fantasy Podcast. Coming at you is Bo and Brant. Uh, Today we're going to discuss a little draft strategies. We gave you a little 60-second insight on it last week. Uh, We're going to talk some draft strategies and answer some questions that some people may have um some people have asked so we're gonna just dive right on into this um we'll dive straight into draft strategies i think is what we're gonna hit first. we can
1: start with either one of them whether it be the draft strategies or some questions um obviously first things first there's only two voices again this week i know we talked again last week about urish possibly joining us we will have that co-host back up again we're gonna get into a mock draft um whenever we can get urish on board and get schedules to meet up jason will come back uh, and we'll do we'll do a mock draft just to get you guys to see where kind of our heads are at so you can kind of compare your strategies to ours. But, you know, before you can do a mock draft, you really have to talk about those draft strategies. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into those. Walker, you want to kick us off on what you want to talk about with the draft? Yeah,
0: well, with some of my draft strategies, I'm going to break down a few different leagues. I normally I, – I normally, uh, I'm normally in three serious leagues every year. And then I have my family league that, that I've been running for multiple years. And then I, I, always, I always get into a couple goofy leagues, as I call them, a couple free leagues to try new things, auctions, maybe your vampire leagues, your guillotines. I like to try new things every year. Or IDP League we tried last year, oh, which right. was uh,
1: not a lot of fun,
0: <laughs> little out there. Yeah, not a lot of uh, fun. So I'll start with right here in, in my Dynasty League, one of my main focuses, and I, I did, I'll be the first to admit I made the mistake getting into that Dynasty last year, is I, I went and I just drafted like I was doing a normal redraft. In a dynasty, I learned real quick that you need to focus on some young players to have a core of your team to build for the future, but you also got to sprinkle in some veterans here and there if you want to compete for that first year. If you go strictly young, you're probably not going to compete right out of the gate. Maybe in two, three years you will, but you got to sprinkle some veterans in with a dynasty league whenever you're trying to compete all the way through it and you're not just trying to go straight rebuild.
1: Yeah, see, I think – for me, Dynasty, what I, what I learned, my biggest takeaway um, as being in our first year in our Dynasty, being in the championship this year, um, youth is important, but proven talent is number one for me um, because you do always see these new guys that are hyped up that don't ever don't ever pan out. Um, so it's important that you do have those young guys to, to hopefully grow into a role, role on your team or when you're drafting, not necessarily targeting a ton of rookies, but maybe second or third year players that have already come out and established themselves. So if you're starting up a dynasty this year, it wouldn't be a bad thing to target, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor or, you know, CeeDee Lamb or um, uh, Chris Godwin, some of those younger guys that that still have plenty of time left in the league versus coming in and going strictly like Najee Harris, Devonta Smith, um, you know, things like that. You want to have some of that proven talent in there as well. Um, It's also really important, and and I think we saw it firsthand in our dynasty league this year. There's a lot of us that this is our first year in a dynasty – Um, those rookie picks were given away almost freely at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. And then as the draft kind of got around, a lot of people started to realize how important they were and tried to trade back for them. Um, So don't give away your rookie picks, you know, early um, to make your moves. Now, it's okay to move those those rookie picks if you're really right there contending for a championship because ultimately anytime you play in a league, whether it be a dynasty league that you think is going to make it 15 years or a redraft, your ultimate goal is to win. Absolutely. Um, and if you can, you know, move a first-round rookie pick for a guy that's going to help you win a title now, I'm always in favor of, of, of winning and, and, and trying to compete early um, rather than just banking, you know, pushing it back, pushing it put back, pushing it back. Absolutely. So,
0: and another thing with those rookie picks, if you're not competing, if you're already down and you have the established veteran, um, your, your Saquons, your McCaffreys, your, your Michael Thomases, your league winners, or maybe you got lucky and hit on that diamond in the rough, but the rest of your team is kind of falling apart. Trading that diamond in the rough to acquire a couple more draft picks is always a good thing to look at, too. Now, you obviously, you don't want to go out and trade your young studs that have five, six, seven years of top fantasy production, but if you got a guy that's down the downswing, then yeah, I'd absolutely look into trading some of those.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that actually brings me to one of the things that I really wanted to talk about as far as like draft strategy, kind of like league strategy, if you will. Trades is one of the big things I wanted to talk about today. Um, and like if you're in a dynasty league, obviously there's no offseason. So there's trades being made all the time. Um, and those trades usually look significantly different than what you'd see in a redraft. In a redraft league, There's no team saying, "Ah, I'm calling it quits, I'm going to trade and build for next year because that's obviously not how a redraft works. In a dynasty, that's very much a thing. Um, If you're in a league that has trade vetoes, get rid of them. Uh, Really, it's a headache. If you've got a good group of guys that you really trust, you don't need it. If somebody sees something that looks blatantly obvious as collusion as a commissioner, take a look at it. If it's blatantly obvious, throw it up to a vote in a group chat or whatever your league communicates by. Or just simply veto it yourself if it's that bad as a commissioner. But in Dynasty League, some trades can look really, really bad on the surface. But if some guy, say, has, um, let's throw out a name, um, say they have Dalvin Cook. Okay, but the rest of their team is hot garbage. But they got Dalvin Cook. And they sell Dalvin Cook for two first-round draft picks and a second-round draft pick to a guy that's contending for a title. On the surface, you're like, wait a minute, this guy's giving up, you know, a top three running back and getting nothing in return. But this guy who's given up Dalvin Cook's going, I've got nothing on my team. This is the one piece of value I have, and I can use this as something to possibly boost my rebuild. you got to let the guy make the trade, especially if he can justify it as such. Um, and redrafts, when you're looking at trades, you know, Dalvin Cook for, you know, Quintez Cephas and, uh, you know, another Damian Harris – that's that's not a good trade in a redraft, okay? Uh, it, it it blatantly helps one team and it doesn't help hurt or it hurts the other significantly. You got to pay a lot more attention as a commissioner or a member of a redraft. Um, but dynasty trades, it, it's important too. Um, I've kind of noticed. I'm kind of starting to figure it out a little bit too about the about the age 27 season for running backs. You want to start looking to move on from them. Um, it's always better to get a, get rid of them a year too early than a year too late when the value's gone um wide receivers it seems to be about year 31 you want to start kind of shopping those guys pretty hard uh again getting that value uh from them before it tanks absolutely um you know so so let's move on from trades a little bit unless you got anything you really want to hit there um so how does your walker how does your approach differ depending on the league type so again when i say league type you can take it as um, a guillotine ppr standard dynasty super flex, tight end premium. You can take that however you want to take it. But, what, like, what's your different approach to things as you're as you're making your way through draft season?
0: Well, actually, that's funny because I'm actually in one of each league. I have my family league that's a redraft. Then I have a keeper league, and I'm in a dynasty league. So when it comes down to dynasty, I already said, you want to you uh, attack young, I think, but also have your veterans sprinkled in. In a keeper league, I've been in the keeper league, I believe this going on my third year, and I have um, – I already learned in my mind, keeping a player that does not give up your first round. You don't want to give up that first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. So always try to. And that's keep
1: based league. on ADP. ADP. Is
0: Most people are based off ADP. Some keeper leagues are based off where you drafted them. Some of them, so James Robinson, prime example. If you had James Robinson, you probably got him off the waivers last year. And if your keeper league is going off of where you drafted him, that means you're giving up a last round draft pick. I'm sorry, I would be keeping James Robinson if I'm giving up my sure, last round sure. draft pick. That's a chance for an RB two, possibly RB one upside if if something you know goes down there. But so in a keeper league, focusing on trying to keep your higher picks but still get the value, you have got to look at all your players and find that value. You and me own a co, a co we co own a uh, keeper or a, a team in a keeper league where we keep two players, and this pains me a little bit to give them a shout out. But the commissioner of that league. Has done a great job of not allowing them to save or keep two of the same players every year. So there's a guy in the league that has, I believe, he's got Cook and Henry. Well, he kept Cook and Henry last year. One of those guys is coming back out. We had a back, we had a down downfall this year mm-hmm. by not paying very close attention to a lot of things in there. And um, so we got the second overall pick. So the odds of Cook or Henry, one of those is going to be sitting there, hopefully, at the number two overall. Mm-hmm. So I'm not willing to give up my first round pick when sure. one of those guys are up there. So you really want to find that value in a keeper league prior to getting into um, really figuring out who your keeper is. Find the value, and then that's where you want to find your keeper. And in a re, and a redraft, it's really BPA a lot. I mean, I'm in my family league is a redraft league, and a lot of people go, "Oh, I got to fill my roster. I got to fill my roster." Well, guess what? If you got a couple guys in your league that are fill the roster. There's a lot of players that are gonna boost you up. Yeah. Okay. If you just go BPA. Go BPA. Don't worry about filling out your roster. Cause I promise you, if you go best player available, you're gonna fill out your roster. You may not get your tight end till later. You may not get your quarterback till later. You may not get your wide or your flex till later, but you're gonna wind up filling it and you're gonna have a lot of extra guys on your bench to fill that spot.
1: Correct. Yeah, I agree. Uh and and that's kind of how I'm at, I'm at too. It all depends on what kind of league I'm at. My strategies fairly different but most of the time the guys that I'm going to target are very similar obviously like you said to an extent um I may value age a little bit more in a dynasty than I do in a redraft you don't care necessarily to draft a 38 year old quarterback if you will or 36 year old quarterback or some crazy number like that in a redraft in a dynasty you may ease off of that a little bit um but I'm fairly similar as far as my draft strategy um so you, you brought up the tight end and quarterback letting them slide possibly. You know, when, when is the appropriate time to say, you know what, I don't have a quarterback, I don't have my tight end yet, I, I need to target those guys. I mean,
0: in, in my mind, you're going to see that, that tight end run come off. And, you know, tight ends, we talk about this, I swear every week it comes up. You got your top five, and then six through ten kind of fluctuates, then your 11 through whatever is just a dart throw you're hoping that you hit on. Mm-hmm. So – I, really, if you miss out on that very first run of all five of them, I think you just you you kind of can bide your time on that. Maybe wait till the eighth, ninth round, and then and then see what's there. Because um, honestly, if you're not getting your 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 Kelsies, your your Kittles, well, I'm drawing blinks. Waller, Waller, um Pitts is almost up there, but I'd like to see what he can do before I'm going out and sure. going to grab Don't him in the second round. Now, if you've got the opportunity in that back half of the second, early third, and Kelsey or Kittle are sitting there, I'm all over that because that gives you a huge advantage, in it?
1: Yeah, so for me, my rule of thumb with quarterback and tight end is if you can get one of the premier ones in the right spot, that gives you a definite edge. Okay, but if you miss one of those guys, there's no sense in jumping and passing up on another quality running back or quality wide receiver – um, because, you know, like you just said, if the, if the big five, if you will, at each position really are off the board, um, there's a significant difference between, you know, especially in tight end quarterback, not so much. You, if you miss out on the top five quarterback and you get like the number 10 quarterback, you're still getting enough value to hang with those guys. Um, but the tight end, the drop off so big that I'd rather take a tight end or a wide receiver, excuse me, that I can plug in my flex and don't make up that point differential or a running back. I can plug into my flex, uh, to make up that port- point differential, if I miss out on an elite tight end, I'm going to wait and grab a couple guys out of the bargain bin at the end of the draft. A couple, couple deep dart throws on guys that I think, you know, the, the Blake Jarwins of the world, um, the Mike Giuseckis of the world, guys like that, um, that I can, you know, take a dart throw at and hope that, you know, with the two of them I can play a matchup based or that one of them will break out and, and, and be good um, quarterback wise. You know, there's like five that you really don't want. You know, if you're like, oh, that's what I'm stuck with. There's really 20 quarterbacks that you could grab and start in fantasy and be okay. Um, we fell victim to that last year uh, in our keeper league that we talked about just a minute ago. We, we, we grabbed Matt Ryan. He was at a spot where the value was just too good to let him go. And Matt Ryan had a pretty bad year last year. We, we didn't pay as much attention to that league as we should have due to being in the first year of Dynasty. It was hot. Trades happening all over the place. Um, things of that nature. And we let uh, Matt Ryan end up being our quarterback all year, uh, and we missed playoffs because of that. Um, but had we had Matt Ryan and then another quarterback, you know, had we have grabbed a Kirk Cousins or a Ryan Tannehill or somebody else late that we could have played around with and changed our lineup based on weeks, we probably would have made playoffs. So it's it's a if you don't get a premier one early, I think you have to grab two of them late. At Absolutely. each position, that way you have a chance to to differentiate a little bit. With a the quarterback, there's only one that I can vouch
0: take before the third round, and that's Patrick Mahomes, and that's still a, a reach for me. It's uh, I mean, it's 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 a reach, but not a reach because it's a reach for me because I normally don't go prior to the third round of looking at any QB.
1: Patrick Mahomes is really the only
0: one that I could ver- or vouch to take in the second round.
1: Yeah, see, uh, for me, uh, Patrick Mahomes is the best NFL quarterback in the, in the league, obviously I don't view him as the best fantasy quarterback in the league. Um, for me, that's going to be Josh Allen. Uh, if Deshaun Watson plays a full season, there's a couple guys I'd rather have over Patrick Mahomes. But even with that being said, I'm still not really putting those guys in, in my mind until the third round, late third round, preferably um, to start considering the talent there. Uh, I, I'm going running backs, wide receivers, more often, or tight ends even more before I'm looking at a quarterback. Absolutely. Uh, what's your What's your next draft uh, bit of advice here? So if
0: you if if you really want to buckle down, like I, I've kind of broke down, you know, easily. You're taking your BPA, everything else. Follow your gut. Don't follow the ADP. That's one thing. Do not fall victim to the ADP. Don't fall victim to the ESPN's pulling up. It's the next best player. Go with your gut. Go with your research. Don't just. Don't just listen to the website. Yeah, sometimes that's the best way to go, but you know what? Go with your gut because you did your research. You feel better about this guy over this guy. Always, always go with your gut over what the website or wherever you're drafting from.
1: And if you're in, if you're in a
0: um, live draft where you're there, you got your draft board, you're slapping your stickers on the board, you're going back, chugging your beer because you made a great pick. Build yourself a little big board. Like you said, I think it was a couple weeks ago you like to put 10 people, eight people in, in round one, and then slowly cross them off, move them around. Make yourself that big board and stick to that big board. Don't fall victim to the run. I said we were talking about we're doing a big money league this year, and I said if we miss out on the tight end run, we might be SOL in that league. Don't fall victim to it. If you miss out on like the tight end run, if you're at the end of it, don't just go, oh, I got to go grab Mike Gisecki because I think he's the next best one. He'll be there later. Grab the next next, next available. You miss out on that run and you're missing out on those top
1: five, take that BPA. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, I want to hit some do's and don'ts at your drafts a little bit, your, your actual drafts, if you will. Now, these don't necessarily apply if you're doing an online draft at a remote location where you're not with all your buddies. This is more if this is a get-together, okay? Don't show up empty-handed. Do not be the guy that does no research, on an offline draft, and shows up with nothing because your league mates are going to be really disappointed when it gets to be the 12th round and you're trying to pick a player that's already been picked, trying to pick a player that's already been picked, or you have no clue who's available. You know, Do a little bit of research. Have a little bit of print off at least. Take the top 300 players and print off a fantasy website and cross them off. At least have some something. Don't show up empty-handed. Don't be a, a guy... Either, when you're at a draft, and I've been victim of this, and I know you have, so this is almost a shot at both of us here, don't be that guy that if you're drafting with a bunch of your buddies and you've got a buddy that has no clue what's going on and drafts crazy and goofy, don't let it be something that makes you so upset that you want to throw your stuff in the air, cuss your buddy out, and walk away. It's okay because if they're drafting crazy players, you know, drafting their third tight end in the first ten rounds uh, – It's okay because that just means there's other players sliding to you that normally wouldn't make it to you in a certain round. Um, Don't get thrown off your square. Do your research. Stick to your research. Don't be the guy. I've also done this. Don't fall in love with particular players and jump to get them. I fell victim to this in our dynasty last year. I fell in love with Tua in the offseason. I drafted Tua in the 11th round of a dynasty when there was plenty of other quarterbacks still on the board. Um, In the first six weeks, I rode – no quarterbacks in that league. I was struggling. I just had to start Drew Locke, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I I rode a quarterback carousel there because I felt victim. Newton. Cam Newton, um, yeah. I, I it was kind of gross for me for a while. So so don't fall in love with a certain player and leap and 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 take him just because of whatever. This is why I say stick to your research. You do it for a reason. Um, you know uh, whatever. Also, a big one at your dynasties. Do not. Get overly inebriated to where you cannot draft your team. Or have to have your
0: wife do it. Or have your wife do it.
1: (laughs) It's a bad look. Listen, boys, we get together at a draft. Don't bring your wife. You know, things happen, whatever. I get it. It's a boys' time to get together, unless you got your females in the group, in which case that's cool, whatever. Uh, Fantasy drafts are meant for the boys. I mean, or the girls, whatever, but not significant others. Yeah. Leave them at home. Go out and have fun with your friends. As you're going out and you're in a live draft, go in, have yourself the drinks you want,
0: make sure you're eating some food, keep that liquor down, keep that beer down. Don't don't go in there because you did your research to win this league or to compete in your league. Don't go in there and get obliterated and not be able to find your, your notes or your
1: next player or even be able to read a name. Let's also be honest. We're the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast. We always end up finding our way back to food. Yep. At your draft, Eat well, get there early, eat before the draft starts. Nobody wants to be looking through their notes and realizing you got barbecue sauce smeared across the name that you can't read anymore. Get there, eat a little bit early, whether it's a, like a... Eat your sloppy food early, but you got to have your snacks. In well, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously. But, you know, if you're you're at a restaurant, if you hosted a restaurant or at your buddy's garage or, or whatever the case may be, and there's an opportunity to eat before the draft, if there's pizza, whatever... Get your food in. You know, when, when the draft gets later and you know that there's certain names you're gonna grab and you don't necessarily care about your notes late, then it's okay. But don't be getting barbecue sauce or ketchup or ranch all over your notes and not be able to read them. Uh, the last thing I got here that I think is always important to talk about, especially for those of us that commission leagues or that are in leagues. How do you keep a league interesting and fresh so people don't die out? Okay. For me, that one's that one's tough. One of the things that I've seen to keep people interested is higher scores typically pe- keep people more interested, okay? Nobody wants to be a part of a fantasy league where the winning score is 67 to 66, okay? I like my team scoring 200 points. Sometimes you got to throw those bonuses in there. It makes people excited. Yeah, my team hit 200, whatever. Um, you know, for your redraft leagues to keep it fresh and interesting, sometimes it's nice to have random payouts for things, whether it be high score of the week or um, I've been in some leagues where um, – Every week they draw out a position, and, and whatever position that is after the week, they draw it out. And whoever had the highest kicker, highest scoring kicker that week gets it. Highest scoring bench, you know, whatever. There's different things to keep it interesting. Um, as a commissioner, go in go and make sure your, your, your league mates are setting their lineups every week. Nobody wants to go through and play against a guy who doesn't take his bye weeks out. They get an easy win, and then somebody who's scrounging to make playoffs faces this guy when there's no bye weeks. And they get beat by them, you know. That's not fair either. Keep your keep your league mates setting their lineup if they're not going to do it. Set it for them, whatever. Um, you know, um, trades having trades made always keeps things more interesting. Um, you know, you can add in fab budgets. You know, there's lots of different things you can do to keep it keep it interesting and keep it fresh. You got anything you want to also add to that? Trash talking.
0: Always makes it fun, always keeps it fresh. If you guys are all in like a group chat, or I know the sleeper app has the message board, trash talking always keeps it fun too and interesting to me too. Just bickering back and forth a little bit, knowing that there's no harm in it. Just communication, honestly, and, and, and fantasy is, is always keeps everybody interested in, in my mind. Um, I know, like in my family, we all put us in a group chat. We all talk. There's some family that's uh, in my league that's in Seattle. That the only time I talk to him is when we're in the fantasy, in the fantasy season. So I mean, yeah, conversation definitely keeps everybody involved. Um, but yeah, trades, like you said, always do. Even if you know you're not going to make a trade, send out some goofy offers. Just you, when you send out an offer, this is one thing uh, a buddy of, a buddy of ours taught me. You send out just a random offer; it could be the most lopsided offer. Guess what? You send a trade. That word now is in that other person's mind. And they're not looking, how can I make this trade? How can I make this even? Maybe I do need to make a trade. Just send out a goofy trade just so that's in somebody's mind. It's fresh in their mind. Send one trade. We had a guy, what was it, two years ago, sent a trade to all nine of us in the league. He sent one trade out to all nine of us after week one.
1: Actually, it yeah. may have been prior to week one. It was. Big boppers. Yeah,
0: big bopper trades. He put the trade out there, and I think over the next three weeks we saw – Five or six trades yeah. come across the yeah. board in two weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, and I, ample of denial trades, too, but it was still people communicating, still things going on, so, which means every day you had to look at that roster. You had to look at the app because you may have had that trade in there.
1: Yeah. Also, I think it's, it's important, too, that we're coming into draft season. Obviously, that's what we're talking about this. There are a lot of things you can do as well to keep drafts fresh. Um, you know, if you've got the same 10 guys or 12 guys and gals that are in the same draft every year, if you do a, a continuous redraft and it's not a dynasty or whatever, um, you know, uh, it's important you find ways to keep the draft fresh, change up the locations occasionally. Get you a little game to cho- uh, choose draft, draft order. Yes, that's what I was going to say. In, in our league, uh, me and Walker have been in the same league for I think this is our fourth year in a row now. Um, and every year, you know, we do something fresh. Uh, this year we did an auction draft. Um, which you don't really care about draft order necessarily for an auction. Uh, we've done a rock paper scissors tournament, uh, which I was the champion of, uh, and then the next year we did uh, a blind poker draw, Texas hold'em blind draw, which uh, I also won that two years in a row. I've won the draft order uh, in those leagues, and I think the first year we just randomized it, which is what it is. Um, but what did
0: we do for the dynasty. We did something for the dynasty. Oh, no, we were going to do the NCAA brackets, but.
1: we No, that's where we did the blind draw. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, or no, no, we did ping pong balls. Oh, yeah. Ping pong balls. Yes, we did ping pong balls. Yeah. We we allowed, what we did is we actually allowed everybody
0: to buy, purchase up to so many balls. You got one ball free and you could purchase another one for a little more money to put get your odds up to have that first overall mm-hmm. pick. So, I mean, that, and that also puts a little more money in the bank. We used it towards the trophy fund. Yeah, it
1: would go toward, towards our trophy that we're going to get. So, yeah, that was cool. We had some guys. I think uh, the mo- per- one person bought 10 balls. We had one person only buy the one. Um, and it was kind of interesting. We did it. We had a get-together here at my place. Um, me and Walker as commissioners were here. We let our our, our uh, significant others pull the, the ball out, or I think it was my significant other, uh, pull the balls out. And whoever's name it was um, – got to pick what order they went in and so on and so forth. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Obviously, we had a lot of fun. We got everybody on a conference call, uh, conference Skype call, and everybody we could see everybody's faces. That made it a lot of fun, obviously, during COVID. But, yeah, it's it's just important. Do different things. Do goofy stuff. I know a lot of leagues do a, a punt, uh, kick, and pass competition where they, they add up the total yards or feet, however you want to do it, of, um, the distances of all three of those things and they and they go in order from that. Uh, Madden tournaments are always fun. there's There's a lot of different things you can do, straws, hat names out of a hat.
0: One of my favorite ones is I went on YouTube and I found out how to make a little lottery machine with a shot vac and uh, one of those what are they five gallon jugs of water. I do that every year for my family league. I put it, I put everyone's ping pong ball in and I let the kids pull out the names as they come up out and they'll read them, they show them on the conference call. We send it out and that's the way we do it. That's one of my favorite ways to do it.
1: Yeah, very similar to like what the NBA does. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Again, obviously, in a dynasty, you don't really get to play around, have a lot of fun with that because it kind of just goes in reverse order, which is what it is. Uh, but it, it's always fun and, and interesting and intriguing. You know, that's one of the things that gets my blood boiling and ju- my juices flowing when it comes into draft season. Is coming up with a way to to, to create a draft strat or a draft uh, order, and then going out and enacting that. You can do this draft order six weeks in advance so people have time to plan for their pick, or you can do it the ways we've done it some of the times. We do it 10 minutes before we start the draft. Just that way it's there and you get whatever. Um, some people want to know their draft order well in advance so they have time to plan for that spot, do mocks, whatever. Um, if you're real interested in fantasy, you do lots of mocks from every position so you know kind of what to expect. Um, but nonetheless, that's that's some stuff that we can do uh, to keep your draft fresh. Obviously, we've come up with some draft strategies here. If you guys – can think of anything i'm sure we'll hit on multiple multiple more as the off season progresses you know when we get into mocks and things of that nature um but we'll get into some of these questions now and, and, and start going from there so we said we're going to talk about some of these questions a little bit later in the episode we're to that point uh and these are things that you know we've been asked in the recent weeks whether it be on the message to our page or in person um so um one of the first things i i got asked and i'm going to kind of put them in different orders the way they were asked to me um, but we'll both talk about each one of them. You know, we'll both put our opinions on all these questions. Uh, the first one is: What offenses do you feel that you have to invest in this season?
0: Um, I like the Rams offense. I like to have a piece of that uh, that offense. I'd also like to have a piece of the um,
1: Chiefs because like, okay. the two when, most high. Players. When you say that though, like a piece, like are you okay with like falling and getting? van jefferson or is there like certain names i'm actually
0: okay with having van jefferson this year i think he's gonna step into a little bit of a bigger role um i i I, okay yeah let me put it that way the rams i'd like a piece of the receiving core of those top three cup woods or uh jefferson i like those um now you can even throw up tyler higby in there
1: too he's cam acres
0: yeah so and then you go over to the chiefs i almost want anything on that offense something Mm-hmm. And offense so high powered. Those are just two teams that really stand yeah. out. And I think that they're gonna hang points up on most defenses.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go a little bit away from the obvious here. Um, because yeah, I, I agree with you. The Chiefs uh are definitely one that the Chargers to be another one that I'd really like to own. Uh but the number one that I want to look to own is um Carolina. And the reason behind that is uh because of Joe Brady, not because of CMC or anything else, but Joe Brady is um, so talented in finding a way of getting his players the ball in the right spot, whether that be CMC or, you know, uh, DJ Moore or um, uh, Robbie Anderson. I mean, they had three 1,000-yard receivers last year with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, fantasy relevancy everywhere. Mike Davis looked great in that offense last year. Um, so that's one that I'm definitely intrigued by, uh, and, and I, I think – I'm okay with owning just about anything in that offense, realistically. I mean, obviously, if you had to rank them, CMC would be number one clear cut and far by away. Um, but that's one. And then another one that I really am interested in owning part in this year is uh, Cincinnati. They have a great wide receiving core, uh, Joe Mixon in the backfield, obviously Joe Burrow, and their defense is going to be hot garbage this year again. Um, so I think that offense is poised to put up a lot of points. I think they should throw a ton this year. Um it, it's been rumored that Zach uh, Taylor could be on the hot seat there. So I think he's going to get uh, gutsy and some of his play calling and, and try to get uh, a lot of points up on the board there to overcome that defense. Um, so Cincinnati's another one that I really wouldn't mind owning uh, a part of because I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy relevancy there across all, all facets.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the ones I got is um, who is who's poised to be a bounce-back candidate this year? So you saw your your Juju's kind of fall down a little bit, your Elliott's, a um, couple other players I can't think of. But you had a lot of names that took a step back last year. Who who do you think is poised, poised to have a bounce back year this year or in a good position to? So
1: I'll, I'll give you a couple guys, and I'm going to try to leave the injuries aside here. I'll, I'll go with guys that aren't super obvious. Uh, number one for me isn't necessarily a huge bounce back. Um, because he's never been that, if you will, but he was—he was drafted to be that, and it, and it didn't live up to it. Henry Ruggs was the number one wide receiver taken off the board last year. He had forty-three receptions. Um, that's going to increase this year. Uh, there's no way that doesn't. Uh, I think Henry Ruggs is going to be a guy that's going to break out in a big way this year, um, and I think he bounces back to what his draft stock was supposed to be. Um, he's one I really look forward to there, and then. Another one I think is uh, he's getting to that age where it's kind of time to start shying away from him a little bit, if you will. Um, but I know a lot of people are starting to fade Melvin Gordon. There's reports coming out of Denver that Melvin Gordon's, you know, being tossed to the wayside. Just two, three short years ago, Melvin Gordon was that dude in fantasy. <laughs> um, and uh, he, he never really fell off. Even last year in Denver, he was pretty okay. Uh, I know there's the, the DUI thing that happened this year, but no. No charges were pressed. I don't necessarily expect him to miss any time with that. And Melvin Gordon, when he, when given the opportunity, he excels on the football field. He's a great fantasy asset. I mean, probably four out of the last seven years, dude was a top five fantasy running back. Um, so I, I expect Melvin Gordon to bounce back as well this year. Okay.
0: You brought up running back. I think Elliott uh, has a bounce back here. I think this might be, if you're in a dynasty league, this might be your time to sell on him after this season or in this season because I don't think he's going to hang on to the bounce back. I think yeah. Elliott's, Elliott's poised to have a nice year this year. Um, he gets Dak back, which obviously open up his lanes a little bit more and, and allow him to find the holes a little bit better. So I, I think Elliott's going to bounce back this year. And another one is, yeah, I know you said barring injuries, but uh, – Kenny Galladay, I think, will be a good bounce back guy. I think he'll find his way back into the top 15, top 20 wide receivers this year. So, and that you said earlier in the in this cast about falling in love with a guy. That was the guy I fell in love with last year. I owned him in every single league. And we'll just say I did not walk away with much money at the end of last year. But I think Kenny Galladay moving moving over to New York, getting with Daniel Jones, I think he's gonna find his way back up there again.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Um Let's see. What? Okay. So the the first question I asked: What offenses do you feel you have to invest in? What teams are you avoiding at all costs this year?
0: I'm avoiding the Ravens wide receivers. Okay. Unfortunately, I already own one because that's where he fell to me in the draft. But yeah, I'm avoiding those wideouts. It's just Lamar hasn't proven to throw the ball very much lately. or very well, I guess I should say. Okay. Um, let's see another offense that I'll be avoiding
1: let's leave out the obvious of Houston because that shouldn't even be a question in anybody's mind right now. You want me to go ahead and then you yeah, come back with yourself? Yeah. Okay, so the first one I'm going with that I'm going to stay away from, stay clear of, is the New York football Jets. Okay, I think there's going to be a time, and it's probably not that far off in the distant future when you can invest in this offense. But you got a rookie quarterback coming into a year one of a brand-new system, new head coaching staff, new everything there in New York um you got a bunch of rookies coming in uh you don't really have any established pieces that were there um I mean you got Jamison Crowder uh and the wide receiving core but you got Corey Davis coming over all these guys are playing with a new quarterback um and there's nobody really there that had any established or sustained success um you got a a rookie running back there this year that was drafted I believe in the third round of the real draft or fourth and Michael Carter fourth round and then you got Lamichael p ryan from the year previous i think it was a fifth or a sixth round draft pick um so there's just a lot of of what ifs you got tevin coleman added into the mix there that's there's just a lot of uh not i I guess uh um i need to see some clarity come through before i'm willing to invest in that one at all so that's one that i'm going to steer clear from I, i i just don't want any part of it and uh the other one for me is uh more also because of the same situation um and that's new england and unfortunately i do own a piece of the new england offense that i actually some have somewhat hope for which is damian harris Uh, but if cam newton's the starter you can't trust the running backs because he's going to snake red zone touchdowns um you got two great tight ends there which one's it going to be it's hard to trust that um the pass catchers are, are hard to trust and then if it's not cam newton and it's mac jones you have three running backs there you got uh, james white sony michelle and damian harris james white is going to be the pass catching back there's no getting around it that's what they pay him for um but you know um which of the other two is going to be the, the one that gets all the groundwork? who's mac jones's favorite target going to be it's just not something i want to invest in heavily uh it's another one i kind of want to avoid as much as possible for me so that's kind of where i'm at is the jets and the patriots
0: yeah i Honestly, I think Detroit is, a, is one that I'm kind of avoiding. I mean, there's really only one name that stands out to me and DeAndre Swift there. T.J. Hawkinson. I, I I guess I do like Hawkinson too. But, I mean, outside of those two names, I mean, you're not even sure who the heck the first three wide receivers are going to be when the season starts. Mm-hmm. We've seen Jared Goff have his ups and downs. Uh, Swift scares me because they added Jamal Williams to be a pass catcher. So, I mean, really outside of Hawkinson, and he should be the only – Consistent guy, in my mind, on that offense, I, I'm a, I'm going to avoid most of Detroit's offense. Okay, and, and that was Ben being thing and thinking here was I couldn't find an offense that I want to avoid completely. completely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so one of my questions is, and this is funny that you were coming off of, uh, who are we avoiding? You're sitting there, you're in the sixth, seventh round. You got the you got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith. Who are you picking? Their ADPs are all right there. You got the 512 in DJ. You got the 7-1 in Juju and the 6-5 in Claypool. So the question is, a lot of people, have, I've seen this pop up on Facebook with the question too. You're sitting there and all three are there. Which receiver are you trusting the most in Pittsburgh this year?
1: Yeah, uh, for me, it's going to be Deontay Johnson. Uh, and my reason behind that is, hang on a minute, let me pull up my stats. Bear with me, just one second. I'm 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 almost there. Deontay Johnson, 24 years old. Okay, two years in the league, and last year, okay, with Big Ben, last year, 144 targets. Now, granted, he only had 88 receptions for six or for 10 yards per catch, seven touchdowns. He's not the big body that Chase Claypool is. He's not, you know, um, necessarily the slot guy that Juju is, but he's definitely the deep ball threat. Uh, I don't really want anything at all to do with uh, the uh, wide receiving core in Pittsburgh. I would probably try to avoid that just due to the fact that Big Ben is where he's at in his career. Um, But if I had to pick one, it'd be Deontay Johnson.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm going to go with Chase Claypool, uh, big body guy there, red zone target. Uh, He proved it last year with his, what, four touchdown game that he had. Um, in 16 games he had 109 targets also or he had 109 targets in 16 games he had nine touchdowns through the air and two on the ground i like chase claypool out of all the three i just feel like his upside could be could be higher than anybody else on there anybody else on that team okay what you, what you got for your next
1: one? Um, My next one is, okay, so similar to which Pittsburgh wide receiver do you want to own? I, I look at the NFL and, they're, and they're, uh, the landscape as a whole for fantasy. There's a lot of running backs that are pretty clear as the number one start, okay? There's one in particular on a really, really good team that I, that I think we're still waiting for that answer. So, Walker, I'll send it to you first. Which Bills running back do you want to own if you had to own one?
0: I have to own one because was one backfield that I'm trying to avoid. I'm going to go with Zach Moss. I feel like he's going to get the red zone carries. Um, I feel like he's the bigger body. I just I feel like he has the higher upside of the two. Um, I believe they're both drafted in the same round. So really draft capital doesn't pay any, any for it. But I, Zach Moss just seems to have the higher upside to me.
1: Okay, so you're on Zach Moss. I'm going to go the opposite end. I'm going to go Devin Singletary, uh, and, and they're the same age. The, the, they're the same age. Uh, Devin Singletary's got one more year of experience, obviously. And, uh, you know, they're in two years with the team, Devin Singletary's had 151 attempts and 156 attempts. His rookie year, he kind of broke through that second half of the season after uh, uh, Gore went out, and uh, he, he kind of broke through pretty well. He was averaging 4.4. Uh, excuse me, 5.13 yards per carry. This year he was still 4.4. Those are not bad numbers to scoff at. The touchdowns are low at two each season he's been in the league so far, so you want to see those touchdowns increase. Um, But just this last year he had 50 targets, 38 receptions as well, so uh, he he just didn't have the two receiving touchdowns that he did the previous year. So I I still think if I'm going to invest in one, it's going to be the guy that's been in the system longer, the guy that's been around um, Josh Allen a year longer. Uh, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at on those guys.
0: Okay. 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 Um, so let's see. So my last question here I got is with the return of Shariq Cohen and the addition of Herb Herbert,
1: Khalil Herbert, Khalil
0: Herbert will Monty continue his 2020 success into this next season?
1: Yeah. I think David Montgomery is going to continue his success. Um, you know, we, we go back – we went back on a couple episodes ago. We talked about David Montgomery, and we went back and looked at his numbers when Tariq Cohen was still there. Mm-hmm. Not much change last year. Um, you know, Cordell Patterson's gone from there now, who had a slight role there as well. Uh, Khalil Herbert was real late draft capital. I'm not worried about that at all. Listen, I don't think David Montgomery – I think he hit his cap last year, about top 10 running back. I, I think in a 12-man league, he's an RB1. But that's about his ceiling for me is, is that – there may be some weeks where he's top five running back, you know, give or take. But he's not a burner. He's not going to break away for a lot of eighty-yard touchdowns. He's not going to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. Um, but he's very good at, at running the ball. Uh, and as long as the Bears have a good defense that they can trust, I think I think David Montgomery is going to have his role established and stay similar to what it was. And let's remember, they're either going to have Andy Dalton, who's not very good, not bad, but not very good. Or a rookie and Justin Fields coming in, they're going to lean on that run game a little bit this year. It may be next year that his running uh, or his uh, his uh, value takes a little bit of a hit, but this year I still have him as being a, a good value.
0: Absolutely, I'm I'm in the same boat as you here. I think he continues to success. The only thing you may see come back is some of his targets, which, I mean, with those two QBs, you know, you said. I, I don't know how much more they're going to come back because, like you said, they're going to rely on, on the running backs to catch. I think Tyreek Hill is going to see a lot more outline in the receiver and Monty. So, you're going to, I think you'll see a lot of sets of them both out there. Okay. So, I think his success continues in. I think you hit it right on the head. 10 to the 12 range is, is where I think he'll finish, which is funny because if you actually look at his ADP, I believe, I would have to double check it, but I believe his ADP is in the fourth or fifth round. He's way back there. Well, you're already outside. I mean, heck, you're probably outside your RB twos right about that range. Oh uh,
1: yeah, pretty close because you see a lot of running backs go in the first and second round. Um, so yeah, I, I again, I think with with, with um, when you invest in David Montgomery, I think it's really important to like not get uh, down on him early uh, because I think he's a he's a guy who's going to be very consistent, averaging you. Uh, you know, 15 to, to 20 points a game, <laughs> it may be towards that lower end, but 15 points a game as an RB, as an RB, low RB1, IRB2, that you're not upset about that. I mean, it's not flashy, it's not sexy, but it, it gets the job done. Absolutely. I'm looking
0: at the, the names he's around. He's he's the 20th RB off the board. Uh, he's around Chris Carson, David Montgomery. It's Chris Carson, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, Greenline. Those three names I'm taking – Montgomery probably above all of those. I, right there.
1: I'm taking him above Miles Sanders and James Robinson, who are also oh, in front of him as I well.
0: See, I didn't even see those because I saw Clyde edwards lair That's where I kind of put the cutoff. So yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple names that are going ahead. of I'm them.
1: taking him in front of Josh Jacobs, who's at the 204 right now, probably yep. as well. Uh, I, I again, it's 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 all pick your poison kind of thing. If if you don't if you don't trust that he's going to have as big of a role once. Uh, Justin Fields comes in, then you may may want to shy away from him, uh, but I I tend to believe that the Bears are going to uh, rely on him again this year, and uh, uh, I I think he should see similar value to what he had last year. All right, my last question that I've got is, uh, what late late running back? So we're we're talking after you know the fifth, sixth, seventh round do you want a target that could make some waves this year and possibly be a league winner so you said after the- let's let's cut off after the fifth round so guys in the sixth round
0: I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say uh, dokes they in uh, Miami I'm gonna go way right. down deep he a lot of I believe he's probably undrafted in most leagues but that Jared jokes, I think has a good chance of making some waves there as a, as a late round pick.
1: Okay. So the guy I'm going with is a guy I talked about just a minute ago who I said, I was kind of unfortunate to own. Um, I'm going with Damian Harris out of new England. He's like the seven, his ADP is like the seventh round, 11th, 11th pick or something like that. 706. 706. Okay. So, uh, this is a guy you're getting in the seventh round. Okay. Um, you're you're gonna he's gonna be possibly your third or fourth running back on your team in redrafts. Uh, probably have a couple wide receivers already on the board, maybe a tight end, whatever. Um, I think there's a very, very high possibility that this is the year Damian Harris finally breaks, breaks out and uh and does something. Listen, he's another Alabama guy, uh, very, very, very similar in my mind to David Montgomery. Okay. He, he doesn't necessarily have that breakaway speed. He's going he's, he's to get caught from behind occasionally. If you go watch his film from back when, at his time in Bama, he, he does get caught from behind. But one thing he's very, very good at is around the goal line. He, he's patient. He waits for that hole to develop. He hits it really hard. He's got great balance, stays well on his feet. You're going to have to wrap him up to take him down, which this is the National Football League. Most times, out of, nine times out of ten, they're going to wrap up with both hands, uh, unless they're possibly a Seattle Uh, backup linebacker, Um, but uh, he's no longer. Oh, okay. He he only has one. Uh, But no, nonetheless, I I, I think Damian Harris got a very, very good chance this year. Listen, you got to average 65 yards this season with 17 games to hit the 1100 yard mark this year. Uh, If if you have a, a running back that hits the 1100 yard mark on the ground and say six touchdowns and 40 receptions for another 300 yards, you're extremely happy with that. And I think that's something you could get from Damian Harris this year. I haven't quite got to my projections on my running backs yet. I'm, I'm almost through my quarterbacks. Uh, but I have a feeling I'm going to stat Damian Harris very similar to that. 1,400 all-purpose yards, um, You know, maybe five to seven touchdown range somewhere in that neighborhood. And if, if you get that kind of production of somebody you're drafting in the seventh round, you, you can't be unhappy with that. So. I hey guy, I'm gonna
0: throw another name out there before we close this out. This guy's uh, right now his ADP is the 1307. Tevin Coleman there with the Jets. I know you said to avoid that, but he's he's going into he's going into work with Salah there that he already knows the he already knows his what he was wanting to do. He's great in the outside run scheme. He's the really the only proven veteran in that backfield right now. You got a fourth round rookie and Michael Carter. You got LaMichael P Ryan who shared so much time with Gore last year. Tevin Coleman could take over that backfield and never look back. And if he stays healthy, this guy in my mind has mid-range RB2 upside, and he's going in the 13th round. This is a guy I would love to throw a dart at, and if, if it hits, great. You get an RB2 in the 13th round, thank you.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, he, he's definitely got the highest upside right now week one in that, in that Jets backfield because he knows the system already. P. Ryan and – Harder probably at this point in their career, more talented. But they're going to have to take that time to get used to the system and uh, and, and figure things out and earn the trust of that coaching staff. Whereas Salah has already spent some time. Uh, granted, he was the defensive coordinator in, in San Francisco, but where Tevin Coleman just came from, who was highly touted after by Kyle Shanahan, the head coach there in San Francisco. So, yeah, I, I definitely could see taking a, a dart throw on him. Um but it would be that, just a dart throw. You, you get any value out of a guy in the 13th round that you can plug in and play, you're doing something right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So I think next week we're going to try to do a mock draft. We're
0: going to try to get yours here. Uh, and
1: this is getting... three weeks in a row we've said try now. I, I We're letting everybody down at home. We apologize. Uh, it's, he will be here eventually for, a, for a, uh, uh, a mock draft. That's going to be the next thing we do when he's here. Obviously, if he can't make it again next week or whatever the case may be, we'll, we'll find something else to do uh, that is that is valuable to you guys. But Absolutely. you know, uh,
0: I, I think what we're going to try to do is hit a, hit, a, hit a mock draft coming up. We're going to try to get some of our projections. Uh, I'd like and, to
1: start getting some of our rankings in, whether we have our projections quite finished or not. We'll start putting out, maybe start our, our quarterback rankings in a couple weeks. Give us some time to do that. Then running backs, then tight ends, okay. or wide receivers and tight ends. Maybe start getting our, our rankings out. Uh, I, I don't know as far as our projections. If we'll have time to go through 30 uh, players at each position to put out rankings on the show, we might have to compile those and just post them on the site for people to go look at. But rankings are definitely something I think we can get through in an episode. Uh, but for right now, let's let's we're gonna the game plan is we're gonna try to get Urish here next week. Try to do a mock draft. Try to get, get you people out. Um, even if we can't have him here, we could do a mock draft with him on at his location. Just, he won't be able to justify his picks necessarily, but we can at least go through it uh, that way. So I think the plan is going to be a mock draft next week. Sounds good. All right, so as always, stay hungry. Stay fat, my friends.